she sat me down and we had a bit of a, you know, come to Jesus kind of conversation where she was like, you need to stop doing this, this, and this. You're doing this for free, like tons of charity stuff, which I do love doing. She said, you've got to start focusing and have boundaries about what your needs are each month versus just kind of going with whatever's fun. So tracking, I needed to start tracking. I needed to look at how much I was spending on staff. Holy macaroni, did I have a lot of staff. Um, who I, I believe strongly staff should be paid really well. So I would be paying over market, you know. I had to, to rein in the days of, you know, just fun, fun, and flowing right back out again. Things I needed to tighten up. I needed to tighten up. Life as an entrepreneur is full of yellow lights flashing at you. It is your warning sign. The possibility of losing one big project, one big client, or changes in your marriage situation where now you are the breadwinner. Or the possibility of your partner losing a job. Those are stressful events. Imagine when you are not clear on where you stand with your business finance, the minute those yellow lights flash, Instead of making a strategic, a well-thought decision, you scramble, putting your business and your personal life in jeopardy. But when you have financial clarity, it allows you to take the right corrective action when the yellow light flash. It gives you more predictability in your business. And predictability allows you to be one step ahead when those unfortunate events happen. It allows you to have a business that fuels the life that you want to live. Financial clarity is like a GPS. It gets you to where you want to be faster and more efficient. You're listening to Her CEO Journey, the business finance podcast for women entrepreneurs where we talk about the importance of creating a sustainable business and sustainable life through the power of finance. I am your host, Christina Shahli. I am here to change how you feel and how you look at your business finance because finance is S-E-X-Y. Supportable, explainable, extra metrics to assess your business and yours only. Finance is unique to you and your business. Finance empowers you not to be clueless when it comes to your money. And it empowers you to be in this entrepreneurship journey for the long game. My guest this week is another Torontonian, Trish Manel, the owner of Trish Manel Photography. Trish has cultivated a private client photography studio in Toronto by referral only since 2007. A few years ago, Trish got divorced. At that very moment, she was forced to review her business finance so she can sustain her own life. She scrambled since she had no yellow light flashing at her. Being forced to really look at her financial numbers made her realize that she had been paying herself less than her staff. Then she was working long hours. A friend told her that she was a photography factory. She had to take action and it hit her that her pricing was too low. Tris and I talk about pricing clarity as one of an important step in any financial clarity. When you review your pricing, make sure you understand why are you fully booked, why clients continue to come to you, and what costs do you need to include in your pricing. This is the first step that I review with my client. 
because many of them chose their pricing out of thin air. Instead of understanding the process on why clients came to them and what costs they need to include in their pricing structure. Make sure you listen to this episode until the end to fully understand how Trish grow her business from a factory to a boutique photography and continue to have a long list of clients. Let's listen to Trish CEO journey. Trish Bernal, welcome to her CEO journey. Trish is a photographer, entrepreneur, mentor, and advisor, founder of the Canadian Association of Professional Family Photographers, and she is a proud Canadian, just like I do. So we both live in Toronto, and with an unconventional approach to the photography industry and a deep interest in commerce, Trish has built a multi-six-figure studio servicing a luxury market, photographing people all of her life and professionally since 2007. Trish, I'm so excited to have you, especially because we are both Torontonian. I would love to hear about your CEO journey. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Tell me, how did your journey started in 2007? What made you want to become a photographer? Back in 2007, I had a little one at home. I was a stay-at-home mom for the first time in my life. I used to work in finance, believe it or not. <laughs> Seriously? Seriously. Um, okay. so, so it makes my journey even more puzzling sometimes <laughs> what I've been through and how clueless I was when I first started things, how I, I the mistakes that I made, it's, it's embarrassing. I'm sure we'll get into it and I'll be totally humiliated, but it's all good. Um, <laughs> but when I started... I had always shot as a hobby. Mm. I shot film, loved it. When my little guy was born in 2006, the pictures I took of him were all film. And then my husband bought me a digital camera, the Canon Rebel. I'm sure many people listening to this are very familiar with that brand of camera because it's a great entry-level digital camera. And I was shooting and I would shoot away. I had so much time, so much more time than I'd ever had before because I always worked. And I loved it. I loved it so much. And I would take photos of, you know, the other babies in the mom and baby group. And the moms would be like, oh, can you come over and take some photos? I'd be like, sure, I'd, I'd love to. I'd be happy to. I, I was just so happy that they liked my pictures, you know? <laughs> I felt so honored. Um, I would be in that mom group. Yes. I want that too. <laughs> well, my, my daughter had started at a private girls' school. So I got in my head that... And this was my second marriage, by the way. So her, my husband was her stepdad. Okay. I felt like, I mean, it wasn't a necessity. He was more than happy, you know, taking care of the household and the kids and the education. But I thought, what if I could do this and earn enough to pay Zoe's tuition? Oh, That's kind of where it came from. Like, what mm. if I could just earn a little bit of extra money? Mm. Maybe I could build a business from this because I love it. My husband, he worked in finance. That's where we met. And I mean, he was... You know, he's an MBA and, you know, took companies public. He, this is what this guy does, you know? So he was, okay, well, I think you really should have something fun to do. And uh, then he started spouting off all these sort of metrics. Like if you can earn this much in this amount of time, then you have a viable business. So, you know, startup costs should be this. And he started, you know, MBAing me, you know what I mean? Typical <laughs> finance person, okay? That's a typical, typical finance. finance person. And although I worked in finance, you know, stock market stuff. That's my jam. You know, not budgeting, not 
tax, not that sort of thing. Stock market stuff, you know, I can talk about that all day. But (laughs) so that was the beginning. So I had the support of, you know, my son's dad. We're no longer together, but good friends. Um, And I had one of those wonderful situations where I had somebody else earning money. Mm -hmm. So I was able to go into this with a, this is kind of for fun. It's kind of an experiment. Let's just see me and my Canon Rebel. (laughs) Okay. But you started uh, charging people then, I assume. Correct. To me, the word, you you don't say you're professional. First of all, you got to be half decent at what you're doing, but also you are, people are paying you money to do it. You're not doing it as a favor. You're not photographing your friend's kids. If you're professional, it's somebody who's, you know, not related to you is hiring you (laughs) to take photographs and you have a responsibility. So you basically, you learn all this photography skills on your own then. You didn't go to school for photography, nothing? I did not, no. I, I was, I already knew the basics. You know, I knew aperture and shutter speed and all that kind of stuff, but it is a completely different experience to shoot digitally than it is to shoot film. It's very uh-huh. different, even more so the post-production could not be more different. <laughs> okay. A dark room versus the digital dark room. The, the skills don't transfer as well as, as you know, you would, I would have hoped. <laughs> learning, learning the software and whatnot was a huge, huge thing. And yes, uh, self-taught. Wow. Okay. So how did you find your first client? How did you even market yourself, you know, with your rebel camera? Like My first paying client would have been one of the moms at my mom and baby group. We had been a group for a long time. So the kids were probably two by then, I think. And she paid me to come and take photographs for her daughter because she wanted to put her daughter into the acting slash modeling industry. That was the first person who ever paid me to take photos. Headshots. So did you even pick a niche at the very beginning? Did you know you're going to target? Is it just going to be mom? Is it like, what was your thought process then? I probably would have taken pictures of horses if somebody can ask me. (laughs) Honestly, I was just so in love with the taking of the photos and this incredible tool that was digital photography, it just blew my mind. You could take more than 24 photos and, and you could see them on the back of the camera. It blew my mind. I was enjoying learning so much and I wanted as many opportunities to shoot. I didn't shoot many things other than kids because that was my world. Okay. That was the world I was in. I had a little one. Do you know okay. what I mean? Yep. Got it. So how has that evolved? Because now you are you a private client serving like a top tier clientele. So how is that journey moving from moms into top tier clientele? Well, my top tier clients are also moms. Okay. It was very organic. Very organic. I wish I could say it was super intentional. And then I wrote out my client avatar and, and you know, <laughs> hunted them down and made them hire me, but it was nothing (laughs) like that. Nothing. I did feel like I was supposed to do things a certain way. And I don't know if you ever heard of B-School. Yes. I signed up for B-School. Did you? Yeah. This was a very, very long time ago. And gosh, I wish I could remember what year. I probably spent a total of two hours on it. And it was just like, this is just not me. This is just doesn't fit. 
so maybe I'm not cut out for this. It's the, the kind of dialogue I had going in my head was, oh, maybe, maybe I'll never really have like a super duper business like, like Marie Forleo, yes. you yes. know, tells you you can have and, and, yeah. and rule the world and make millions of dollars while I'm asleep and all that kind of good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's what I was supposed to do. So I definitely did get caught up. I don't want to use the word sucked in, but it, it does feel like a vacuum, a vacuum of what do I do next? I need somebody to tell me what to do. I definitely got caught up in that. Okay. I, I recognize that it didn't feel right. I definitely, everything I've done has always come from my gut. The gut, the instinct. But the gut, the instinct. And I wouldn't push through something that didn't, well, that I didn't like, honestly, that didn't feel right. Like I, something I wanted to get up and do. Yes. So sitting there and filling out all this B-school stuff, and trying to figure out where my ideal client shops and what they do and all this stuff. I was just like, but this felt so contrived. It felt so contrived. And it's just not me. Sorry, you don't promote preschool, do you? <laughs> I'm like, oops, oops. I don't no, want you to lose sponsor. You know what? I, I'm laughing because that's exactly how I feel. When a coach gave me a list of... Where do they shop? What kind of car? How many kids? What colors? And all that stuff. I'm like, I don't know. And then how am I supposed to figure this out? That's why I'm laughing. So I can relate to what you are thinking. You know, you can relate. And I bet you most of the people who who are listening can probably also relate. And this is where my business has evolved. It's honestly, I don't know. I guess I was, I was photographing babies because I was in the world of babies and, okay. and I love kids. At one point I did actually consider leaving finance to become a Montessori teacher. And then I found out how much they made and I went, nope. <laughs> so I'm just going to work in finance and I volunteered. I was like the librarian at my daughter's school, but I was so, I just loved, I love the environment. I love being around the kids. It's, it's a very, it fits. It's that feeling of, yeah, I'm supposed to be here. That has informed everything. And whenever I stray from that, I might not recognize it immediately, but it becomes clear. And, and I go, what am I doing? How did I end up over here? I'm supposed to be over here. And mm-hmm. I've, I've had lots of coaches and I've, you know, read the books and the advice and the podcasts and the this, in the, especially in the beginning, tons of that. It wasn't until I sort of stepped away and went, no, this has to come from me. So when did that happen, Tris? After how many years? Well, yesterday, uh, the way, <laughs> three years ago, because I definitely do, again, the vacuum, a dissectant. I get, I get opportunities that I'm, I'm intrigued by sometimes. And I go, yeah, I, yeah, of course. Yeah, I could do that. That sounds like fun. And then I get a few steps in and I go, what am I doing? Mm. This, just because you can, mm. doesn't mean you should. So you're saying a lot of trial and errors to find out actually like, where is your heart telling you where to go and what you should do? Yeah, maybe trial and error. It wasn't like, oh, let me try this and see how it feels. It was, this presents itself. And I go, I say yes, when maybe if I sat for it with it, even like giving myself a couple days to mm-hmm. just marinate on the idea, I would have said no. So it's not me stepping forward and saying, okay, now I'm going to try this type of photography and see how it goes and see if I can make money. It's usually, you know, we, we all have these things that, that come to us, the opportunities that come to us mm-hmm. naturally. And we either 
choose to go that route or we don't. I guess, I don't know. I would say yes to things. It's kind of like having a first date. You go on a first date, maybe you'll do a second date and then you go, this is not for me. So I would, I guess I would date different types of opportunities <laughs> and then, and then realize that this was not going to be a long-term relationship. <laughs> the things that I love, love, love to do that I don't have any question about that I do consistently. And every now and then something new that fits into my life because my business is based on my life. My life isn't based on my business, mm. right? Mm. So if it fits into my life, mm. yes, this makes sense. And that's why. That's why it's here. And that's why, you know, I'm doing it and, and I'm enjoying it. And hey, yes, it, it provides an income that I can support my family with. So wonderful. It's all just fits. Okay. So starting with moms and then where are you now? Moms, moms, moms. I love my moms. <laughs> so is it entrepreneurs, mom, moms that with babies that just starting out? Like, what is it? Everything moms. I do not discriminate. I think in my, I don't know if it's on Instagram or where I have it. I was like, what, what would I put as my bio? I'm like private client photographer of lovely people. I'm not a family photographer. I'm not a baby photographer. I'm not a bar mitzvah photographer. I'm not a, I'm, I'm a photographer and I work with people that are lovely, honestly. And, and so if something that I'm interested, that might, I might be interested in doing comes across my path and it's with somebody that I'd like to work with, I will do it. Hmm. It's not, oh, I don't do that. Sorry. No, I don't do that. Sorry. It's, well, what is it? Tell me more about it. Does this fit for me? And would I like to do it? And then it's, okay, well, in order to do this, how much do I need to charge? Hmm. And then it's, you know, we talk budget or whatever, and, you know, we can talk numbers. And sometimes it's not a right fit because in order for me to do this and make it fit into my life, I need to charge this. Otherwise, it, you know, I just can't do it. It doesn't make sense. It's not a sensible yes. Hmm. So this is why, you know, I might turn this down or may, they may say, oh, that's outside the budget. It's like, no worries. Tell me your budget. Let me see if I can connect you with someone. Always. It's, it's has never started with the, the money. Hmm. Ever. It's always started with what do I like doing and, and what do I need to charge for that? Yeah. It seems like when you said, okay, it's outside my budget and then you refer them to somebody else. It also means that if you think it doesn't fit with your business, then you are helping them in a different way. But you will, would you lower your price for that or no? I would say, okay, if it's something bigger, like if it's not a, a person, like a family or a, yep. an individual, if it's something corporate, yep. then very helpful to get a budget. And then I'll say, okay, let me throw everything into an estimate from here's what we got to do. This stuff's not negotiable. You know, I, I need to have an assistant. I need to send this out for post-production because I, I won't have the time and all the, all the line items that are necessary. Here's kind of what I need to be there. But then here's all the extras that we could do, which would make it super freaking awesome. Or like having a stylist on set or like if left to my own devices, I would send one number, like what I, what I used to do actually was I'd send one number that might end up being a gulp for somebody. They go, Oh my goodness. I had no idea it was going to be that much. So now I I've learned uh -huh. to break it down. Here's the stuff that's in that number. Mm. And if they go, well, maybe I don't need, you know, could we do this without an onset stylist or could we do this? It's like, sure we couldn't. Here's what's going to happen. Mm. You know, if we, we don't use the onset stylist, you're going to need to be 
on it. You're going to need to be watching everything, making sure everything is perfect. I'm watching for, for the photograph, the composition, the light, the story. I'm not going to notice if somebody's collar is flipped up on one side. Mm. I'm not going to see that. That's what a stylist does. Mm. Or maybe a great makeup artist might help with that sort of thing as well. But if it's wrong, and then we need to go and take the collar out of the other picture, because you know, then you've got post-production costs. If you want to have the best possible outcome from our t- day together, I recommend just do it. It's like getting your makeup professionally done. Mm-hmm. Just, just do it. Yeah, you might not want to spend an extra 150 bucks or whatever to get your makeup done, but it's really worth it. There's certain things that are super worth it and some things that are just nice to have. So I'm always happy to break it out for people to see if it works. And if it doesn't, no worries. I, I always want to make sure that people, if I can, if I have the right person to refer them to, then I will, you know, also make some suggestions or just even say, why don't you try, look over here. Cause there's a lot of people this building a portfolio or whatever. Just make sure you ask these three questions before mm-hmm. you hire anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm happy, more than happy to, to direct people. There are more than enough clients in the city or in, you know, I can't photograph them all. Yes, good, right? exactly. Good mindset there, Trish. It's kind of, you're a service provider. Do you really want it? Like, could one dentist really service that whole city? You know? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's abundance mindset. Like, you know, like I, I like what you said about, about that. Like there's so many business out there. And then, you know, everybody is different. We're all liking different things. Not like, all everybody, millions of people in Toronto will all go to you because we're all different, right? And then you don't have the time. I'm not for everybody. Exactly. But I've got to the point, it's been a progression for sure, to the point where it's okay for me as well to say, I'm not right for that person. I, mm-hmm. There was a time where I wanted to be right for everybody. Not because I wanted them all, but that was my own like self-esteem. I wanted everybody to come to me because it made, it validated me. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I must not suck because they're calling me. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. Because as, as you're learning when you're, especially when you're first in business, it takes a while to develop the confidence mm. that what you are providing is valuable mm. enough to warrant charging. Because sometimes when something comes so with so much you know joy and you enjoy doing it, you feel like, I don't even think I should be charging for this. I love it. Like, oh my gosh, why am I, I should be paying you. You know what I mean? Like models will get paid by a photographer to do, you know, things for the photographer's portfolio. If like a fashion photographer, whatever, they might hopefully pay their models. I'm big on paying models. I don't think models should work for free. My daughter was a model for many years. So I have my whole other take on that. And I see the flip side of it where there's people who are just climbing all over each other to to try to have an opportunity mm. and perhaps not realizing their own, their own, what they're bringing, the value that they're bringing. You know, I think the key point, you follow your value to grow your business. And, and I think that is so important for any entrepreneurs, because like you said, we all got sucked into this entrepreneurship world and thinking we have to do X, Y, C. And yep. then yet, that X, Y, C do not always fit in with who we are. And then that creates stress. Instead of creating joy, it's creating stress. So I want to go back. I want to go back about 
how initially you were charging, like you're only sending like one big lump sum number. And then, you know, the way I take it, you become more transparent with your clients and then break it down. So they see if they want to have a lower price or if they don't want to pay that amount, what can they do? So by doing that, how did that change your business? Did you get more client because of that? Is it because is, are you closing more clients? Closing. I love that. (laughs) Sales talk. I don't do my own sales. You should know that about me. Oh, I don't do my own sales. I used to, but I I have somebody who her name is Robin and, and I love her and she was a client and has been working with me now for gosh, five or six years now. And it's amazing. We're like work wives. I love it. But closing. See, even that term makes me (laughs) It's too salesy because I'm so not about sales. I'm so about, let me make this. And if you love it, we should totally do this with it. Okay. So now I'm now I originally when I was talking about the breakdown and breaking down the line items and stuff, that's more of a, like a commercial thing or for a business, like a corporate thing. Commercial is not the right term. It's not mm-hmm. like for, you know, huggies, diapers or something. It's, it's more, you know, Visa Canada or something like that. What I have found in that instance, when I break it down, you know, the people who are looking into the photography, they are generally not experts in, you know, putting together a photo shoot and making sure their job is to go find a photographer and make sure that the pictures or that, that we get whatever we need, whether it's for marketing our website or, you know, whatever they need them for. They appreciate the education. So they, they actually trust. It creates trust. Mm. Now with my, my family clients, which is most of what I do, being able to explain why mm. my albums are thousands of dollars is important to break down, well, if you look, you know, because they go, but, but I can order one from, you know, blurb and it's only this much money. It's like totally. And for some situations that is totally appropriate and you should order from blurb in this instance, if you want, you know, it's handmade, it's made in Canada, it's photographic paper, not press printed paper. It's this, it's this, it's this showing them how I've gone, I've done all the work to make sure that you're buying the best. Mm. This is the absolute best I could, I could possibly find for you. And if it's not for them, then that's okay too. It builds trust. My clients trust me. I'm, they, I hope, I would feel terrible if somebody ever said, I felt sold to. Mm. Like ever. My thing is always only buy what you love. Only buy what you love. That's also why my session fee is just for making the images. And then it's up to you what you want after that. You, and I say to people, if you just want to buy one eight by 10 print, that's fine. That is fine. There's no minimum order. Mm. There's no, you know, this isn't a hook to get you in. But what I think you should do because of the reason you did the shoot in the first place, because you're trying to make, you know, collect these memories or or capture your family. I think you should do this Mm. because you're going to be overall much happier, you know, and people will go, Oh my gosh, I didn't look at it that way. You're right. I should do that it builds trust. And my clients are, I call them my family of clients, yeah, are yeah. people that I see over and over and over again. I'm referral only. So going out and marketing for new clients and things like that, I don't do that in the way that maybe most people do. 
I didn't have business cards until just recently because I just don't do that. Um, it's not how I do things. I do things very, I don't know, organically is the word I always say. It just sort of happens organically. And I think if you focus on the money first, people will not want to work with you. Okay. I can see your, the wheels turning. You're going, I never saw it that way before. This is the kind of business coaching that I do. It's like, let me sit you down. We're going to get your head around your business. <laughs> and why it needs to be like this. Because you're doing the stupid avatar thing. I can see you. I saw your worksheets. No. <laughs> oh my God. I see, I, I'm shooting a headshot for somebody and I can see it all happening. And they're talking about, you know, oh, and then I'm going to do this. And I'm, I, and I'm biting my tongue. That's been me for a long time. Or I'll be saying as I'm shooting, have you considered this? Have you considered that? And that's when I went, you know what? And Robin is a big part of it as well. We should consult. So we, we, we privately sort of consult with some very, very small, small businesses, people through our network, just kind of to help them. Let's get this off the ground the right way, you know, so that it, you build something that you actually want to have you know, you want to actually have in your life. You don't want to build something that feels icky. Yeah. Icky. Icky. <laughs> or you're just going, Oh my gosh, I've got myself another job. <laughs> I left my job to start this business. And now I've just created another job that I don't enjoy. Because <laughs> you can, you can do totally what you love in the way that you love. And then the money flows. Mm. I truly believe that. And I know something that you do a lot is, is getting business owners to pay attention. Yeah. I wish I had done it before I had to, because it was so hard to figure out because it was so all over the freaking place because I didn't have financial systems in place. You know, I like basic stuff. I knew where it all was, but I wasn't collecting and gathering on a regular basis. I would wait till the end of the year and then stay up three nights in a row trying to put everything together. Like just the, the silliest way to be because I was too busy having fun. I didn't want to look at my books. Are you kidding? That's not fun. Yuck. <laughs> you know, <laughs> eating is fun. <laughs> Working with, you know, a client that I love is fun. You know, <laughs> having somebody go, oh, I love these. You know, I, I, I lived for that and I didn't worry about the finances, but I wish that I had. <laughs> okay. Really- so when you realize at that moment, when you realize you need to start looking at your finances, What did you do? What was your first step to make sure that, uh uh-oh, I need to be profitable now. I need to make positive cash flow. What did you do? I had positive cash flow. Okay. I just didn't have goals. Mm -hmm. I didn't have goals. I didn't have, okay, each month I should do this and this and this because, you know, I should do this many sessions. Here's my average sale. I would hear, you know, other photographers, Sue Bryce. On, on creative live. She's always, oh, your average sale, your average sales. Well, low sale is good and high sale is good because it's all about your average sale. As long as you're making that. I didn't know my average sale. Oh my gosh. Somebody would say that. And I go, I don't know. I should be able to figure that out pretty darn quickly though, shouldn't I? <laughs> but I don't know. So I had a lot of, um, I just happy going along. By first, when I realized I needed to figure it out, the first thing I did probably was cry <laughs> because I was just like, <laughs> this job. I hate it so much. Oh, I know what I did. I worked with an incredible businesswoman mm-hmm. who I knew through my business, but she was a consultant mm-hmm. and we swapped a photo shoot for a chat kind of thing. And she was amazing. And she sort of pulled out things like 
I was like, I need to make this a seriously profitable business and you kick ass at this. You build them and you sell them and you, you know, and she sat me down and we had a bit of a, you know, come to Jesus kind of conversation where she was like, you need to stop doing this, this, and this. You're doing this for free, like tons of charity stuff, which I do love doing. She said, you've got to start focusing and have boundaries about what your needs are each month versus just kind of going with whatever's fun. So tracking, I needed to start tracking. I needed to look at how much I was spending on staff. Holy macaroni, did I have a lot of staff. Um, who I, I believe strongly staff should be paid really well. So I would be paying over market. You know, I had to, to rein in the days of, you know, just fun, fun, and flowing right back out again. Things yes. I needed to tighten up. I needed to tighten up. When you said that you pay above the market for your staff, did you consider all of these expenses into your pricing? No. (laughs) Why would I do that? That would be on the ball. No. (laughs) My pricing at that time, I don't think I had my pricing calculator. I literally have a spreadsheet now, literally. And whatever something costs, I punch it in and it spits out what I have to charge for it. It's the best thing I ever did was getting my hands on that because I used to really struggle with knowing what to charge and knowing how to actually be truly profitable. Profitable is not, you know, there's a little bit of money left in the bank at the end of the month. It's, it's not. And I didn't pay myself for years. For years, I didn't draw anything out of my business. Okay, when you say years, what years? How many years? Well, in the beginning, when I was, you know, when my husband was supporting our family and all that good stuff, up until about five years ago, four or five years ago, I I didn't worry about it because I didn't need to draw. Mm. I didn't need to pay rent. I didn't need to pay a mortgage. I didn't, you know, that was all kind of taken care of. Mm. If I drew anything, it would be for a personal, for something personal Mm. and fun. And it was fine to be paying everybody lots and lots mm-hmm. of money. Mm-hmm. And that felt good. Actually, I loved it. I loved being able to, you know, if I had an intern, I would still pay my intern 20 bucks an hour, you know, like things like that, that are just because I was like, oh, you should be paid for your time, even though I'm teaching you. And that's why you're here, right? And all that stuff. I just was, I wasn't looking out for myself nearly enough. And now, you know, I needed to approach this more as a, okay, this is sustaining my family. Mm-hmm. I had to make a lot of changes. That was really hard. Really, really hard. Not just looking at the numbers, but also realizing that I couldn't be as generous with my time. I couldn't be as generous with my staff. And I couldn't be as generous with my pricing because my pricing was way too low. In what way? Can you explain that? Like, what was the realization when you were started to look at your numbers and then especially with your pricing? What did you realize? Did you realize that it was too low because you didn't include your salary? You didn't include all your staff, the time of your staff? Like, yeah, I had not sat down and written it all out, pulled out statements, see all the software and all the this and all the that, all these things I subscribe to and, uh, you know, my insurance, my, you know, everything you could possibly think of down to, you know, the, the smallest thing like, parking, you know, the cost of parking at shoots and things like that. I was just eating a lot of those costs. I was looking at, oh, okay, well, if the lab charges, 
$10 for an album, I'm just using small yep. numbers, then doubling that, that, that sounds good. I should charge $20 mm-hmm. for my album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's double. Wow. That's a lot to charge. But mm-hmm. no, it's not. Holy crap. It's $10. You're supposed to charge 120 because there's all this stuff in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I was not accounting for that. And I see that in other businesses that I look at sometimes and especially makers, they're terrible. Mm-hmm. People who are, are making um, crafts, things like that. Oh, it's just, girl. <laughs> This doubling the price of your fabric does not equal your price point. Or everybody on Etsy charges this does not equal what you should charge because everybody on Etsy may be wrong. And you really want to go there, you know? Yep. And then I think everybody starting out in business, they pull the price out of thin air. Well, that's what I consider that, thin air. It's like, okay, well, this makes sense. So yes, I can pay for the album and... And well, I should probably pay the shipping because the client's buying an album from me. So I don't add that in, you know, there's all sorts of things I have. I have, you know, a stylist, I have like not personal stylist. I'm talking about a stylist that works with my clients. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's the sales and like, I have to pay everybody for all this stuff. Plus all the overhead. Plus I'm allowed to get paid. Exactly. Plus, plus you need to invest back to your business. Right? Yes. Plus I, yeah. Plus there should be profit. Exactly. So those need to be included. And I think a lot of people forget about that. Definitely forget about that. So I guess since you started looking at your number, what is the benefit for you? Other than in not only in terms of profitability, are you become more careful with uh, taking clients, the client that more selective? Are you, do you have more time for yourself? Like what is the benefit of looking at your number in addition to profitability? benefit of looking at your numbers on a regular basis and knowing them, like knowing them is peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Not having that freaking dialogue in your head at night where you're like, okay, how am I going to, and is this enough? And have I done that? And I wonder, you know, you don't have that in your head anymore. You have, okay, so this month I've done this. And last year, this month I did this. So I need to probably do a little bit more of this. So if I get another inquiry, I'm going to say yes. Or the opposite. Wow, I'm in excess. I'm feeling a little tired. I'm a little burnt out. I'd love to take a week off. I now get to take a week off because I know I've already hit my numbers for the month. Be, knowing what to say yes to, what to say no to. Not having a panic attack. <laughs> not, not really panic attack, but you know what I mean? Not freaking out when you, know, you get the email from the lab that says, oh, sorry guys, costs have gone up. We have to raise everything 10%. Not going, uh-oh oh my God, my clients are going to be really unhappy that I'm raising the prices and blah, blah, blah. Knowing that, well, this is just part of that equation that goes into how I have to set my prices. And people are more than, I'm more than happy to explain it. If they have a question, why did the prices, because they did jump. They went like, they did a really big jump. Like they were on a trampoline (laughs) kind of jump. And there was a little bit of sticker shock with some people, like raised my prices by about 50% on my product. But when I explain to them, it's either that or I just can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't, I won't have a photography business. I'll still be a photographer. I'll do it for fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe get a job somewhere. But if I'm going to do this, mm-hmm. I have no other choice but to charge these rates. Or, you know, it doesn't make sense. A lot of people came to a realization though. 
when, you know, they were scared to increase their price. But then when they increase it, actually, people are still buying. Do you experience that with yours? Or did you see like a downturn in your clientele? No, my, um, my revenue went up by about 50%, as you would expect. I also, I found ways to add, I didn't just, sorry, I should back up a little bit. I didn't just raise the prices. I raised the prices by less than the equations, you know, uh, the math that I needed to, because I was really underpriced, like ridiculously. I just, I had volume. I had a, I was shooting like a crazy person. I have mm. somebody who works with me who came to me. She had a wedding photography business at the time. Mm-hmm. Now she's like a stay-at-home mom. She lives in Edmonton, but she still works with me. She said, Trish, you're not a photographer. You have a photography factory. I was shooting that much. Part of it was that I loved it. Part of it was that was just happening. It was just happening. And I just kept, kept going, kept saying yes, kept saying yes. So I raised my price. Sorry, I'm getting off on a tangent now. Yeah, I raised my prices by part of what I needed to. And then I found ways to add value. Mm. I started offering my high resolution digital files, which I had never offered before. Mm-hmm. So because they don't have costs associated with producing them because I've already produced them. There's no printing. There's none of that. It gave something to the client that they wanted, but it also created revenue for me and my, my top end went up significantly. Also sort of, I don't know, just, just value added sort of stuff, things that were, you know, adding on this and adding on that so that people, my average sale went way up. I, I don't know what it was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. Sales, but it went way, way, way up. But people were loving it. I refined what I was offering. I found sort of sexier products that I really love that made sense. It wasn't like, well, I could get this at Walmart. So why would I pay you this? It's like, this is extra ultra special. It's going to be awesome. And it's going to be worth every freaking penny. You're never going to regret this. Mm. Mm-hmm. So trying to find unregrettable purchases and artwork and experiences and things for my clients to increase revenue, not just raising prices. Correct. It's interesting how your friend brought up that point that you have a photography factory because I, I heard this from another podcast guest and then she said to me, when she was fully booked, completely fully booked, there was no time. Somebody told her, I think you need to raise your price because <laughs> you oh, probably yeah. like... Yeah, that's one of the things they say. If you're booked, you need to raise your prices. And if you're booked again, raise your prices again. If you're booked again, raise your prices again. Yeah, I, I don't do that. <laughs> I haven't raised my session fee in a while, in quite a while. And I'm pretty fully booked. I closed to new bookings last year for a while because I just... It's, it was crazy. I was fully booked and, and I was it's a lot more to work with a new client than an existing client. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would have, you know, a referral and I would just be like, well, just for now, I'm I'm not taking new people right now because if I did, it was going to impact, you know, the other sessions that I had to do for, you know, but maybe in the fall, you know, kind of thing. So I prefer to take that route, but that's just because what I'm doing is a very, personal service. It's not something that, um, and it requires, you know, a great deal of, of me time, like over the project. Um, I don't think that that's necessary for other people to close up or to raise their prices. I don't know. I don't, I don't like that formulaic approach to anything. 
oh, you're busy, double your prices or, or there's the whole double your prices, but I'll lose half my clients. It's like, yeah, <laughs> and earn the same income. And, you know, but I think when people are doubling their prices, it's not just blind doubling. I think they really need to me personally, like because I'm a number person, you always have to go back to your number. You have to review your pricing. I think that's the key, right? You have to review your pricing because your business always change, right? And it, especially some people, they want to grow more. They want to they wanna expand their business. And then because they want to expand their business, there will be extra costs. And, you know, that those new costs need to be included in the pricing. Yet though, like I completely agree with what you said, when you raise your price, you need to be able to show your clients what is the value to them, right? You cannot just increase the price for no reason. So I love your approach that you're increasing by thinking what value, what additional value can I offer to my clients? So it really makes sense. I think that's the key. Like if you're just doubling your price like crazy, forget about it. Like nobody's going to buy. I think the, 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 the idea of I'm booked, so I have to double my prices. So you're less busy, but it almost feels like ego driven. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Versus, it's, mind you, I should also qualify that by saying if you've been like undercharging ridiculously. Exactly. Then yes, you know, just exactly. put them, bring them back up to market. But if you're at market, yeah. And you're, you're booked and you're just going to double them just to keep, you know. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's a generalization. If I think what the trigger is, if you are fully booked, maybe look, start thinking about your pricing. It doesn't mean that you need to increase it. Maybe, maybe you need to change your system. Maybe you need to change how you're going to market your stuff. Maybe you want to have more clientele that you love. Maybe that number of hours book and you're so busy, but you don't love the clients that you work with, right? I think it's impacting. You're allowed to be more choosy, right? If you've got lots of people coming to you, you can start qualifying what it is that they're looking for. And are are they coming to you for you? Exactly. That's a huge thing. Exactly. Am I a commodity or are you here because you like what I do? Or unique. Or you like what I do and you specifically want that. Pricing is so... It's not my favorite thing. <laughs> but it's part of business. Oh, but it's so important if exactly. you actually want to like your business. Exactly. And it, another thing is that I know I talk about finance a lot. I talk about numbers a lot, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean that that's your focus. The business needs to bring joy. And I think that's very important. And then a lot of people focus on the money only. That's not what I'm saying. You need to focus on the money because you're doing this not as a hobby, right? Like you, you need to make money out of this, but you need to feel joy with it. And then to have joy, you don't want to stress about your cash flow. You don't want to stress, like keep you awake at night. I think that's the whole point that I'm trying to, to get here. Now, Trish, what is your advice to other female entrepreneurs who right now thinking of starting their journey or they are struggling right now to figure out what the heck am I going to do? How can I even continue this journey? Is it worth it? I believe, okay, put away the worksheets about how you're supposed to do things. Have like a little journal or something and, and write down or just take note whenever something feels off. 
just take note of what it is, what it was about, and then take note of the things that you were like, oh my God, that was amazing. That felt so good. That was the best part of my day. Definitely keep track of everything. It's funny. I have two people in my life who have recently started their own businesses. And my first thing, they're like, where should I start? I'm like, bookkeeping. Keeping. I'm not kidding because every little thing that you were doing, every paper clip, every everything, keep track of it all. Keep track of it all. Don't lose track and get into the habit of keeping your financial picture. I'm not saying be profitable. That might not be, you know, you're probably not gonna be profitable for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I don't think you really like that would be that's that would be an outlier. Businesses that are profitable within the first sort of three years, I think it is, two or three years. Don't worry so much about am I profitable yet. Figure out what it is you're building, why you're building it. Mm. Make sure you keep track of all those numbers so that you can refer to them to decide, is this even worth it? And is it, is it solving what this, you know, the reason I'm building it, is it to make money? Is it to pay for your kids tuition to private school? Is it, you know, is this, is the outcome of this business going in the right direction? And then perhaps sitting and thinking of all the what ifs. What if I tried this? What if I did that? What if I stopped doing this? What if I charged this? What? Think a few steps down the road. Think about five minutes, the whole five minutes. What is it? Five minutes, five months, five years. Like what's the effect of this? Mm. Don't take on things that you hate, no matter what. Mm. <laughs> Don't work with people who make you feel crappy. Yes. No matter what. Yes. Write it all down. Gosh. I agree. And you don't feel like you need to do what the people that you are looking at online, they're doing what you want to do. Yeah. Don't feel like you have to do what they're doing at all. What they, what they say to do. And I had over half a million dollars in revenue last year. So it's possible to build something really cool. Thank you, Trish. That is such a great advice because a lot of people forget about it. So thank you for that. Now. What is a must in your daily routine? Do you do anything, daily routine, self-care? Tucking my kid in. Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. I know. I miss that. It just doesn't feel right. Even if, you know, I'm, you know, skinning in it late at night or whatever, it's being able to, to actually sort of kisses and good night and all that good stuff. That's a must. Thank you, Trish. It's been a great interview talking to you i learned so much thank you thank you so much for listening to another powerful episode of her ceo journey podcast don't forget to subscribe on itunes stitcher google play and soundcloud so you will not miss another episode my hope this podcast resonates and inspires you to continue your own ceo journey If you are inspired, please leave a nice review on iTunes so more female entrepreneurs will listen to this podcast. And when you are ready to pay yourself like a true CEO, take control over your finances and want to know how to grow your business through the power of finance and positive cash flow, visit my website, kristinashahli.com and download my free video training series. Now, let's continue your CEO journey in confidence and make sure you inspire other female entrepreneurs.